0: We'll find the text in Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. We're going to read verse 11 down through verse 32. As we are walking through this wonderful book, this wonderful section dealing with some very specific things that we need to hear and we need to learn. So let's have open ears and open hearts as we come to the word this morning. Romans chapter 11. This is Paul writing to the church at Rome as he is instructing them on many different things. And we'll pick it up in chapter 11 and verse 11. The Bible says, I say then, have they, which is speaking of Israel, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles, for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Verse 16, For if the first fruit is holy the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches being broken off and thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in in among them and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou will say then, Well, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, Because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold therefore the goodness and severity of God. On them which fell, severity, but toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, that is, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in time past have not believed God, yet now have obtained mercy through e- their unbelief, even so have these also now not believed, that through your mercy they may also obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that He might have mercy upon all. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, as ask you please uh, be with us just now as we come to the preaching of your word, Lord, remove the distractions, help us to have open eyes and open ears, and Teach us by your Spirit this morning what we need to know. Take the message to to each one that needs it as only you can. I ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So that's kind of confusing if you just come across it reading in the Bible. You hear all these different words and all these different phrases. And I will admit Romans 9 through 11 is one of those passages you kind of step back and say what is he talking about And what does this have to do with me well i think we've seen along our journey through it that it actually talks a lot to us it has a lot of warnings for us let me just remind you what he's dealing with here he's dealing with israel paul has written this amazing book in romans and he deals with the glory of salvation by faith Uh, in Christ he deals with the glory of the new life that we walk with him as part of his body and the glory of his power and provision and being filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit working on our behalf we know that as his church right we know that blessed like we sang this morning that blessed assurance that we have of walking with him well then there's a question what about Israel What about the Old Testament? What about God's covenant people of the Old Testament? And His answer, in short, is this. They have fallen from grace because they didn't follow in faith. It's always been about faith. It was about faith in the Old Testament. It's about faith in the New Testament. It's not about national identity. It's not about heritage. It's about faith and following God in faith. They rejected Christ and that brought judgment. So this section helps to, uh, well, among many things, it helps to serve as a reality check. Sometimes we need to be reminded who God is and who we are. I'm not God. You're not God. You may think you call the shots. In the end, you don't. That's God. In the end, we are accountable to the creator of all things. And we have to be reminded of that sometimes. Sometimes we need to be woken up for it. There's a mindset out there that's prevalent that like God's a genie. Like stay in your bottle. Leave me alone. Don't come stepping all over my job and my money and my time until I need you. And then, hey, God. Oh, what do you need? Poof. What do you need? Isn't that from Aladdin? I think that's from Aladdin. <laughs> what do you need? How can I help you? Right. That's how we treat God. That's how we think. Or I, I need help right now, so you better show up. And this whole religion thing, yeah, I'll take it or leave it, whether I want to or not. There's a mindset out there that's prevalent in the world, or there's a mindset that even is prevalent among his people. And it's this very nonchalant attitude like, yeah, I'm good. Church, no, nah, no big deal. Reading the Bible, no big deal. This is some extracurricular elective section. Like a small piece of the bigger pie. I got me, and then there's this little piece of God. Things like this and warnings we're giving in passages like this help to snap us out of that way of thinking. And the example that is set before us is Israel. Those who knew God, walked with Him, they've got all of this Old Testament history, when Christ comes along, they know to Him, and now they're brought under judgment. That is what's being set forth as an example, as Paul explains it and gives us warnings to. So when he's talking about Israel, that's who he's talking about. When he's talking about Gentiles, that's just a good old Hebrew word that means the rest of the world. Okay, the church today is made up of Gentiles. Every everybody from everywhere every culture every ethnic background it doesn't matter any and everyone can be part of the church right that's who she's made up of I believe it's Colossians and I think we're going to go there that just, it's just, it's just we're all one in Christ so when you hear that word Gentiles that's what he means so let's take a few final truths as we're going to finish out this section a few last warnings for us to consider as we move on from here Israel is under divine judgment, re, divine national judgment, because they rejected Christ. They rejected God's plan and God's purpose. But do you know that God's purposes don't stop just because man rejects them? God didn't say, oh, it's all done now. My people aren't accepting me. What do I do next? No. God's plan will continue. In fact, this was part of the plan. First thing I want you to notice this morning is their fall, Israel's fall, has brought salvation to the world. Their fall brought the gospel to the world. Look in verse 11. He says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. Now, we'll come back to that. Okay, We'll come back to that towards the end of the message. But notice what he says here. But rather, through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles for to provoke them for jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles... How much more their fullness. Through their fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Through Israel's unbelief in God's sovereign plan, something wonderful has happened. The gospel has gone worldwide. You see the phrasing there? It's come to the Gentiles. It's the riches of the world, the riches of the Gentiles. The the gospel now has gone to all nations, and that's something that wasn't happening before. You see, the gospel's not a New Testament thing. It's like we, we, we relegate ourselves to the last half of the Bible. No, the gospel runs throughout all of Scripture. Do you know it starts in the garden? It starts in the garden at the fall, when there is an animal shed. Uh, animals' blood shed so that they can be covered with skins. And there's a promise given in the curse. you remember that? Genesis 3.15. As He speaks to the serpent, there's a seed of woman coming that will crush your head. He's talking about Christ. Right there at the start of time, there is a mention of Christ who would come and ultimately defeat Satan and sin and death by His death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel runs throughout the Old Testament. So Jesus and His work on the cross is a fulfillment of all the promises and it's a fulfillment of all the types. And and Israel was to be a witness of that. They were to be a witness to the world. In fact, God says in Isaiah chapter 49, He says, you're going to be a light to the Gentiles and that you may be my salvation to the end of the earth. Israel was supposed to be a light to the Gentiles, but... That didn't happen. In fact, by the time Jesus came on the scene, they were far from spreading the gospel. You can just read the gospels and see their attitude. They, instead of being a light to the nations, they were self-focused, self-centered, self-righteous. And those other people, those other ethnic groups, those other nationalities... I'm not saying races for a reason, because there's only one race. There's a human race. Let me just get that right out so I don't have that in the back of my mind. <laughs> those other national groups, those other ethnic groups, they look down their nose at them. Oh, you're a Samaritan. You're a Roman. Is that not what the Gospels bear out, right? And instead of being a light, they were closed off. They didn't care very much about the world at all. In fact, they tried to separate themselves from the world. Jesus comes from the scene and He starts smashing down those barriers, doesn't He? He goes across cultures. He goes across ethnic groups. And you have Samaritans being saved. You have Romans being saved. You have tax collectors and prostitutes. The light is doing what it does and it's shining in the darkness. Something they should have been doing, but they weren't. And what does Israel do when Jesus is there? Oh, this is awesome. Let's get on board. Let's let's do the same thing. You know what they say? How could you eat with those people? Do you know? Do you know what kind of woman she is? They stumble at it. They reject Christ and judgment comes. But the gospel doesn't stop there. Now, does it? The gospel doesn't stop. Jesus doesn't throw up his hands and say, Oh, well, I tried. No, you know what he does? He calls out faithful followers to him, his church, who he gives his authority, his power to take the world by storm, to be a witness for him everywhere. And that's exactly what the church does, doesn't she? And salvation is brought to the world. And these Gentile believers, look, notice what it says in verse 11. Salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke them, Israel, to jealousy. And then he says in verse 14 that I might provoke to emulation. You know what that's talking about? That this Gentile group of believers is now a witness to Israel. Hey, come believe the Savior. Come be part of His people. And you know what the amazing part is? There were some of God's national people who were saved because of the witness of those who are not God's national people. The gospel is not held in by any barriers. Do you understand that? It is not a church gospel. It is not a white gospel, a black gospel. It is the gospel that is the power of God for salvation to everyone that believes, Romans 1.16. And so there's a warning here. There's a first warning for this morning. We ought to be very in tune with the attitude of our church and our own hearts. Are we as a group here, as this local body, and us as individual members of it, are we more self-centered and self-serving than being a light and salt to the world? That's a very real danger, isn't it? Now, don't mistake me, the church is here to, uh, to train up her members in righteousness, right? Right? That's why we study the scriptures. That's why we talk about how we ought to live and what we ought to do or not do and promises that God has given us and how we ought to be sanctified and all that we talk about. The church exists for that, yes. But she also exists to preach the gospel to all nations, to baptize them and to teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That's the Great Commission, right? And if we neglect the outward focus, and only focus on the inward, well, we're failing. Do you remember in the book of Revelation, there's a letter written to some churches. The book, uh, there's one in chapter 3 is written to the church of Ephesus. You know what it says? Basically paraphrasing. Jesus says, hey, you guys are doing good. You're holding on to truth. You're holding on to doctrine. But you've left your first love. Remember that phrase? You have left your first love. Well, what's our first love? Who do we fall in love with first that changes everything? It's Jesus, right? You ever find yourself in your personal life falling out of love with Jesus? We all can, can't we? We need to get back. We need to kind of stop and remember what He's done and and be thankful for the salvation that He's given us. He tells that church, you've fallen out of love with me repent and do the first works or you will cease to be my people. Kind of sound like Israel? does, doesn't it? So we had best get that in check. we got to have the right heart as a church. We might be in the right position, believing the right things, but if it's not lived out in love and in a concern for the world and with the heart of Christ then we're either dead or dying. Now, this is important. and We stand to face the same judgment as Israel if we do not. The gospel's going to go out. God's purpose will continue. Whether we are a part of it or not depends on our obedience and faith. Just the same as it did with Israel. They fell, the gospel kept going, and salvation was brought to the world. Secondly, I want you to notice this morning, their fall, not only has their fall brought salvation to the world, but their fall has given us a foundation. Look, if you would, in chapter 11 at verse 16. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, Thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. That will. Well, let's stop there at verse eighteen. What Paul does now is he gives this beautiful agricultural example. I'm not a gardener. Um, I don't have a green thumb. I'm, I'm very adept at killing things. (laughs) I plant. You know, you you go to Lowe's or Home Depot and you get those little things in the plastic containers and you plant them and they look so pretty for like a week. And then after a week, they're gone. My wife can make them live a little longer. The gardener I know is Sister Marlem. She's got a green thumb and she can grow just about anything. If you're a gardener, I think you're familiar with grafting, right? Evidently, this is something that goes on all the time. I thought it was only if you wanted special fruit or whatever. And this, this happens all the time with apple trees, cherry trees, plum trees, all kinds of things. And what they'll do is they'll cut into the, the stock or the stem or the trunk of a tree. They'll take a branch from another tree and they'll, they'll put it in there. They'll bind it up and that tree then begins to grow, continue growing through that branch. And so you get the kind of fruit you want or whatever it may be. And that's the, the, Paul, the, the example Paul uses here. And what he does is he he paints this picture as Israel of this, this healthy, good, fat olive tree. And the Gentiles, or the church, as branches that were grafted in from a wild tree. See, they became part of the same tree of God's people. The church in the New Testament is God's people. Israel in the Old Testament is God's people. And we, the church here, are grafted into the history of Israel. The graft is Christ. You understand that? The only way we're brought into being part of God's people is through Christ. The, root of Christ. the root is Christ. It's all Him. But by faith now, we are grafted into this rich history of Israel. And we now share the same history. We now share the same covenant. Keep your finger here and go a few pages to- towards your right to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, I want to read just a couple verses there. Again, I think I mentioned it last week, and I'll just mention it again. The, the tendency of the church nowadays, and I, I don't mean to paint a uh, um, an unfair picture, but from the most of the sense that I get, the, the churches out there today, they don't really care about the Old Testament. It's boring, it's a lot of thou shalt nots, and... We don't like that. We like grace. And so there's been comments like we need to unhitch from the Old Testament. So that's kind of in the back of my mind. And then I read things like here, like, hey, you as the church through Christ are grafted into that history. And now that history is a foundation for what we do. Look in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. We don't have time to go through the whole chapter, but he's he's talking about the children of Abraham, not only those who are children of Abraham physically, which would be the nation of Israel, but those who are the children of Abraham by promise, that would be the church. Notice what he says in verse 26, "...for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek." There's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. See, now we have the same promises. We have been grafted into that same rich history. By faith, the Old Testament becomes my history. Abraham is not my physical father but he is spiritually by faith in Christ. you understand what I'm saying? So that same same promise, that same covenant that is made to Abraham is given to us. What was that covenant? Follow me and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make of you a great nation. You stay faithful to me. So you know what? That same promise, that's mine now. That's ours now through the church. So no, we don't unhitch from the Old Testament. We don't ignore it. It's the foundation of the new covenant. Christ is the chief cornerstone and all the promises and the mighty workings and the principles of the law, now they matter to us because they are ours by faith. You know what that tells me? There's not a new plan when it comes to the Old Testament or New Testament. It's the same plan, the same purpose, new method, new people but we're grafted in to God's ultimate plan. But that came at a cost, didn't it? Back in Romans 11, verse 17. It says, some of the branches were broken off. It came at a cost. Israel, broken off. Because of unbelief. And what does Paul say? Verse 18, don't boast against the branches. Don't get all high-minded like you're better than Israel. If you boast, you bear not the root, but the root thee. That's their foundation is your foundation, not the other way around. Yeah, there's a, here's another warning, and we need to listen. You see, sometimes we can be a bit arrogant. We can be a bit boastful, especially if we've been saved for a while, especially if we've been in church for a while. Listen, I've been in church my whole life. I've been around God's people since I was a week old. Saved when I was eight, baptized the next Sunday, and been a member of His church ever since. There can be a tendency to be a bit arrogant. Verse 19, Thou will say then, The branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. They fell. They didn't believe. That's their fault. I'm the one here doing right. We get that way with Israel when we when we read the New Testament. We say, come on, guys. It's right there. Why can't you see? Why can't you just believe? How could you say that? How could you do that? Now be careful. We do that with other people. How could they just walk away or what's going on with them? And when others fall or when others walk away, do we... Say, I told you so. I knew it. This doesn't surprise me. I saw that coming a mile away. Well, why didn't you do something a mile ago? Or does our heart mourn for them? Listen very carefully and take notice as we see here. You're not perfect. Neither am I. Verse 20. Well, which means right. Okay, yeah, they were broken off. And you're grafted in. Okay, notice what he says next. Because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. If God broke off his own national covenant people because of unbelief what makes you any different the only reason you are where you are is because of faith don't be high-minded like all of a sudden you're the end-all be-all Christian it says no but fear that word is phobeo, phobia it is what it sounds like it's not reverence and like like oh this this um, attitude of respect it's fear we ought to be scared of falling from grace. We ought to have a fear what it means to displease God. You say, "Well, okay, listen, that's for Israel. That can't happen to me." Think again. Listen to this as I read you something that Jesus says. And he uses the same kind of terminology. This is Jesus speaking to his church. He says this, "I'm the true vine and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away." Every branch that beareth fruit, he purges or prunes it, that he might bear forth more fruit. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, listen now, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. You see that? We are to bear fruit. We are to be continually bearing fruit. Listen, I had an orange tree when I lived at the house in Colton. It was an orange tree on crack. I guess that's the best way I could put it. There's, there's, there's seasons for oranges, right? You've got the blossom and they smell good like in March, right? March, I remember somewhere around there and then the fruit comes and then you have oranges this thing never stopped it was constant blossom orange fall blossom orange fall winter spring summer fall it didn't matter the thing kept going and it didn't matter what I did to it I didn't water it all that much I fed it once in a while I even thought I was going to prune it and I went I went in and I hacked a bunch of branches off it it didn't phase that thing It's the craziest tree I've ever seen. Oranges all the time, all the time. I I know because I had to pick them up to mow the lawn. (laughs) It would irritate me to no end. you got these moldy oranges everywhere. Just producing fruit. That's what we ought to be. You understand? Whatever happens, man, there's fruit coming. There's, There's Christ coming out of us. You know what people do to trees that don't bear fruit? You prune them. You hack them back. Or you cut them down. We are to bear fruit. If not, we face the same danger of being broken off and cast away. The same as Israel. You understand? The same as Israel. No, we're not above it. God wants us to bear fruit. God wants us to have faith. If not, we face judgment. That's harsh, man. I don't like that. Yeah, it is. Listen. I, at some point we got to come to the realization and acceptance of the truth God is god and you God is god and you're not you understand that you're not god i'm not god i can't i can't put it any simpler than that and if he is god i am accountable to him and everything then that this book says becomes very important doesn't it Heaven and hell are real. Jesus and the cross and salvation is real. Living for Him and following in obedience to His commands, that's real. And they're His truth and His commands because He is God, not me. Right? Everybody with me? We understand that, hopefully. Well, here's the flip side of it. If we willingly reject Him and His truth and His commands and we read what God says and we say, nope, absolutely not. Or we pick and choose because you in all of your infinite wisdom tell God, I don't like what you wrote here. We're real smart sometimes, aren't we? Yeah, God, you need to change this. (laughs) Come on, man. If we do that, we should expect consequences because He is God and we are a created being. So when judgment comes, it can be severe. Verse 22. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity. But toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off. Listen, I could, I could feel very safe to say most of the time God is merciful with you as He is with me, right? God gives us chance after chance. He gives us reminder after reminder to do what's right. Like your kids, hey, I told you to do this. Hey, guys, hey, guys, hey, guys. But there ever come a time when you like, oh, enough, enough, i stuff, guys. told you enough. God does the same, doesn't He? Come on, come on, come on. All right, that's it. It's exactly what He did with Israel. And when that judgment comes, it can be severe. Don't mess around with that. The truth is not yours to pick and choose. The truth is not yours to accept or not. We must humble ourselves before the Lord. Humble ourselves to His truth and accept it. Be careful lest we be cast aside and broken off. No, how about this? Let's stay in his goodness. God is so good to us, isn't he? God has been so gracious and so merciful to us. Even after all the times I've disobeyed, even after all the times you've disobeyed, God is still good. You know what Paul says? Continue in his goodness, stay faithful to him. Keep following him. Keep staying faithful. Keep staying dependent. Listen, even in these hard times right now, it's easy for a lot of people to drift away. Churches aren't opened or they're opened at limited capacity. There are very few, although there are more and more, which praise God that's happening, that are just flat out open as we are. And it's easy for a lot of people to drift away. Don't let that happen. No, stay faithful to Him. Let's not be high-minded or arrogant, but... Let's keep ourselves submitted to Him. Our time's running out. Let's finish up. Their fall has brought salvation to the world. Their fall has given us a foundation. And lastly, notice their fall is not final. Their fall is not. Final look in verse twenty-three. They also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in. For if you were cut out of the the olive tree which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these which be the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? So don't be ignorant. Paraphrasing that blindness is part in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of Gentiles be come in. Verse twenty-six. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. Remember when it said in verse 11, Have they stumbled that they should fall? No, they've stumbled, they've tripped, but they haven't fully fallen down. The scripture is clear as Paul quotes the Old Testament from Psalms and Isaiah right here. As he writes these chapters, as it talks about in the book of Revelation, there is coming a day when Christ returns that the nation of Israel will look to Him and as a whole turn back to Him. They will believe and the blindness will be lifted and they'll see Jesus clearly for who He is. And this happens when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. When the church age is finished and Christ returns to gather His faithful saints to Himself, Israel will see, they will repent, they will be forgiven and be restored. Judgment will be lifted. And what a glory that will be to have all of the history of the Bible physically and spiritually and to be a part of His people. It will be amazing. It will be mercy. I want to finish up today with the last phrase. Verse 29, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Think about that. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. Let's take this in context first. First, God keeps His covenants. He told Israel, I make of you a great nation and you will be my people. They're going to be restored, aren't they? God's chosen nation will be restored. Using the church as a witness to her, ultimately He's going to have mercy on her and the the veil will be lifted that's been placed on their hearts, and they will be saved just like the rest of us. And God's plan for them will be fulfilled and be restored because God keeps his promises. And I've sat thinking about that this past week. And, like, well, what does that mean for us? I want you to think about it this way. Maybe you know somebody who's left. Maybe you know one of those branches that got broken off. Maybe they've turned their back on God, said, I don't want nothing to do with God, I don't want nothing to do with church, or whatever. You understand, that doesn't negate their salvation. That doesn't make them unsaved. They're still His child. And that doesn't negate the desire for God upon their life. That doesn't cancel out God's calling. Just because somebody walks away doesn't mean God doesn't want them to come back. It's like we think that God's done with them. No. It's quite the contrary. Doesn't Jesus say, hey, I leave the 99 to go searching for the one. That one lost straying sheep. Yeah, we have the tendency for whatever reason, to write them off. Like, hey, God's done with them. No. Just as people here had written Israel off. Well, God's done with Israel. And that's why Paul's writing this saying, No, no. They're under judgment. They're going to be brought back. Maybe we ought to think about that. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Maybe we ought to go after people that walk away. Just like Paul is telling the Roman church to be a witness to Israel, maybe we ought to do the same. Because God's will for them is the same. It hasn't changed. So if you see somebody slipping, say something. And by the way, if that's you, reach out, call out. Say, hey, I need some help. Follow after the straying one well, I don't want to bother them. Please do. Please do bother them. Please do call them time after time. and Say, hey, thinking about you, praying for you, love you, why don't you come back? Why? Because you know what's at stake. You know what's at stake. And instead of an attitude of arrogance, how about we have this attitude, mercy. Verse 30. For ye in time past have not, ab- have not believed God, yet now have obtained mercy through their unbelief. Even so have these also not believed that through your mercy they might also obtain mercy. You understand that? Your care and your compassion and your mercy for somebody could be the- their way back. It could be what breaks their hard heart and brings them back. Unless we get too arrogant, we need to remember we're just a step away. Verse 32, For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that He might have mercy upon all. Listen, we're all sinful, aren't we? We've all got sinful tendencies. I'm a pastor. I've got my nose in this book, sometimes 20 plus hours a week. And that in no way makes me immune. I'm not above falling. I can have a heart of unbelief. I can fall into the same kind of judgment if not for the mercy and the goodness of God that I need to continue in. And the same goes for all of us, doesn't it? Because at one time we were all in unbelief, but God had mercy. God used somebody in mercy to tell us the gospel hey, you're a sinner, you need to be saved. Jesus died for you. That's mercy that God allowed us to hear. And as our heart trusted in Him, He, as the Scriptures say, according to His mercy, He saved us. He called us with a holy calling to walk with Him in love and to be faithful to Him and to follow Him. So let's continue in that. Don't reject it. Don't brush it off. No, keep yourself from the severity of judgment. And I say those things not to be a scare tactic. People people say that all the time. Well, you're just trying to scare people. No, this is the reality. There's a judgment of God. A judgment of God for sin. A judgment of God for unbelief. And we stay away from that by placing our faith in Him and following Him. So be not high-minded, but fear, humbly bowing to Him and His mercy and His goodness. And with that, we're going to close out this section of Romans 9 through 11 and we'll pick up in a very more practical thing. But I I, I don't want you to just brush it off and close the door. I want you to listen to the warnings that have been given. The example of unbelief of Israel and what that brought. I don't know how this may apply to you today. All I can do is set the example before you and say, hey, please listen. Just as I've had to listen in my own heart. And I'll set it before you one more time. Caution you against unbelief and rejection and leave the rest up to you. That's something that you do in your own heart. I can't can't do that for you. You know, if the Lord is drawing you and you know that you're a sinner and you know you're under His judgment, I wish I could believe for you. But that's something you've got to do in your own heart to trust Him with your sins, with your salvation, to ask forgiveness. That's something that happens in your own heart. Or if there's doubts, or if you're feeling like walking away, I can't believe for you. All I can do is caution you. Be careful that you wouldn't be high-minded or arrogant or reject, but that you would bow yourself before Him. Pray that you would do that today. Let's bow our heads. Father, I ask that you take this message, the example that has been set before us, Lord, help us to listen to it, to not reject or push away, Lord, but instead to to have a heart of belief. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you and your Son as Savior, Lord, that you would draw them. If there are hearts that are drifting, you would draw them. And Lord, those of us who are doing our best to stay committed to you, Let us have humble hearts, not arrogant hearts and not hard hearts, Lord, but humble hearts before You. We are so thankful for Your goodness and for Your mercy. Help us to continue in it, Lord, and I ask now that You would do the the work among us that only You can do. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.